Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, Bryson Wright and Alex Winton. They got next, so let's get to the show. Hello and welcome back into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. As always, I'm Bryson Wright and I'm joined by my co-host Alex Winton. And we get a, kind of a different episode this week. Obviously, we're going into the offseason, so there's not as much like there's no game stuff to talk about. So my idea was today on Twitter, I went and I asked for some questions for the people that listen to the pod. And if your question isn't in this week, don't worry, because we have a long offseason ahead. So I, I saved a lot of them. We're going to get to like three or four of them today and make those like the topics. And we're going to go through the next couple of weeks going and heading into the draft. And kind of, you know, getting what the people want to hear about. So that that was my idea. You know, it's kind of a weird time uh, for the Grizzlies. Obviously, with the full NBA, there's a lot going on. We're going into the finals and stuff. But not a ton of Grizzlies news going on right now. More just kind of, you know, questions that you want to see. Like, what do you want to see going forward? And the first question that I did want to get to is from my guy Corey on Twitter. That is CDH underscore O3. Uh, Corey's been in our Twitter spaces and all that a ton, uh, hosted some spaces and everything like that. Shout out to him. But the first question is what or where do you feel that the big three of Ja, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. need to do in order to improve their game to a higher ceiling to where it is already? And then obviously both on and on the court for Ja, on and off the court for Ja, but we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But Sticking to the stuff they got to do on the court, I'll start. I'll start with Jaron because I think Jaron is the one that's gonna have the big, like the biggest change in his role, especially at the beginning of the season. Because Jaw's not gonna be there most likely. They haven't actually released a suspension, but you know it's coming. So he's gonna be put into this first option role, kind of like he was near the end of last year because of the last suspension. So he's gonna have to. He's going to have to continue to build off of what he did. And I'll say this, going into last year, he I know he didn't get a full like offseason because he was injured. My biggest thing for Jaron was him being more aggressive offensively and also starting to get more post counters, like after he makes the first move, being able to counter the defense more than just like basically before this past year, basically all he did was the left post hook. Like that was basically his go-to post move. Now he still does that a lot. But he's done a lot more stuff of like, you know, getting some drop steps and being a lot more creative in the paint and also just being more aggressive. I think that was the biggest thing that I noticed is that he's more aggressive than he has been in the past. And, you know, realizing like, hey, I'm seven foot. I'm just going to dunk on somebody. You know, he did a lot. He did more of that this year than he's ever done. And I think that for him, this is going to be about building on that even more. And then. The biggest thing for me is I want Jaron, along with Ja, this goes for Ja too, to try to develop a little bit of a mid-range game. Because I think that with Jaron, you know that once he catches the ball at the three-point line, once he puts the ball on the floor, you know exactly where he's going. Like, you know he's going to the rim. He's not doing anything else. There's no... There's really nothing else that he can do besides get to the rim. Now, when he gets into possessions, when he is posted up, I think he does really well. But uh, And I think he does well at, when he drives to the basket. But I think that he – like, not to say that he needs to shoot the mid-range as much as a guy like Bam Adebayo does, 
but I think that he he's shown the ability to have some ball handling skills. Um, he's done that a lot, being able to put the ball on the floor as a big guy. I don't see why he couldn't get to some more mid-range jump shots. And, you know, I know his jump shot is kind of weird and it's kind of a push shot, so maybe that will make it harder from the mid-range than, than he is from three. But we've seen that he can hit the three semi-consistently, uh, you know, especially early earlier in his career when people weren't really ready for it. But he's shown that he can shoot the three, and I think that when he has taken mid-range, he's made them, but he's taken so few of them in his career. Like, I think it was one of those things where I think I can remember maybe two mid-range jump shots that he took the whole season. And th- that's my thing. It's not that I think he needs to go out there and shoot 10 mid-ranges a game, but two or three a game, you know, just to keep the defense honest. I think that's something that's going to be big, along with just continuing to work on his on his play in the post and then rebounding. That, that That's going to be my other thing. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what goes on with Steven Adams, but rebound is going to be big for him too. Yeah, um, to start with Jaren, um, I think he's probably got the – like you were basically hinting that he's kind of got the biggest offseason out of the three. And I wouldn't say – obviously, it, like the role changes thing, but I think when I think about it, he's probably got the most time on his hands to actually work on his game because you got to think we'll get to Bane, but he had his surgery, which we'll get to and talk about a little bit. But, you know, he'll be fine, but he probably is not going to have as long as an off he, he should job stuff going on. I mean, obviously, he'll still be working out and stuff, but, I mean, who knows what he's doing because we're not going to have an idea, any idea what he's doing right now uh, as he's basically in the dark with whatever, you know, was going on. So, with Jaron, he's the one that's fully healthy right now um, in terms of being able to have an offseason, and I think this is probably his first healthy offseason since going into his second season. Um, so with that being said, I think for me, really the thing is for him, what he, I think he's already hinted at it and basically talked about it for me is like just improving on the stuff that you already good at and making it elite. Like I do want some of the counters in this game in terms of offensively, like, cause he's had them before, but the thing is he needs to get back to them and use them more because I remember using his rookie year when he was really used as a post player a lot by JB Bickerstaff. He had a lot of counters in his game. Like he would use his right a lot more, but then he just got away from doing that. And I think that's the thing that he has to do is he has to get back to doing that um, and making sure that, um, you know, he, like you said, keeping the defense honest, because again, you know, they're going to sit on that left hand and they're going to force you to at least a couple times go back to your right, whether that's a hook, um, driving layup. And then in terms of the mid range, I mean, I, I would like to see a mid range jump shot maybe, but just because of the release, I think I'm, more like not doubtful but more not really looking towards that happening but i think the thing is he can compensate for it in other ways which is getting to the line more being able to make more free or make more threes at a consistent rate get back to what he used to do like you can compensate for stuff like he get a floater like or add more counters so i think there's things to compensate for that lack of mid-range game um if he doesn't choose to do that but i think the main thing for me is just working on the same stuff he's been doing because like he said, I think he said it at his exit interviews, basically working on stuff that's going to be used in the game. So basically, get, don't, he's not going to work on anything crazy that's not going, he's not going to use in the flow of the system that the Grizzlies have. So um, I think he just needs to keep improving on stuff like that. Um, I think really big, just getting stronger. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, continue to get stronger, because as you see, him getting stronger has really kind of changed his whole game and trajectory because he's not getting beat off of spots when he's posting up. Then on defense, he's not really off balance as much as he used to be 
which is, you know, which is why he didn't get as many fouls at times is because he was there and he wasn't, he didn't have, you know, he was more stronger to take the hit if somebody was, you know, creating contact first. So stuff like that, I think is really the big thing and just staying available because um, his game is going to continue to grow. I'm not continue to grow, but it's just really improving on um, the stuff that he's already good at and making sure he gets better. Like, you know, like make it really good to great, especially his, I will say this, his playmaking too. I think that can improve a little bit, but I think that will happen at times. Same with rebounding, like that's that game rep stuff, and he just like a lot of film work. But at least for scoring, I would like to see like again just getting his jumper right. Not to say his jumper is bad, but he's a very streaky shooter, and I would like to see some more consistency from the three. Uh, the line, I'm not really worried about it. He shoots 80, um, and then again, getting more counters, getting back to using that because I mean, if he does that, then he'll be right at where he was. I know you know how people were talking about him in the bubble, bubble, Jaren. Bubble Jaren. Hey, Bubble Jaren's real. Hey, Bubble Jaren's real. Listen, people always talk about Bubble Jaren. Hey, man, listen. Those three games, those three games, man. Uh, that man had fourteen, and I think it was like fourteen in the fourth quarter on a torn meniscus. Like, yeah, against the Pelicans. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. Like, he had like twelve points. Yeah, but yeah, if he gets back, he'll basically get back to that. I'm not saying he's gonna take as many threes because he's learned how to kind of balance that out. But we'll see the guy that, or at least the guy I envision seeing, which is a guy that can average 20 points a game and be an all-NBA defender. Because he was right at, like, if I'm looking at it correctly right now real quick, he averaged 18.6 this year. And so it's not and crazy. The crazy thing is that he was only averaging, like, 16 at the All-Star break. Yeah. So, like, he can make another elite. I'm not saying it's going to be, like, 25 a night, which I don't think you need. But just if you can get him to 20 a night, yeah. I think that's the, the big leap for Jaren. Like, just – Improving on stuff you're already good at, making an elite, because there's certain things where you can have counters, and I'm not saying he doesn't need to not have any counters, but sometimes it's just about getting to the chicken and making sure you keep your stuff right. Like, we've seen a lot of guys in the league where I'm not going to say he's Giannis, but, like, we've seen guys where they only have a few moves, but they're so great at those moves, you can't stop. Like, we saw it with, with Zebo. Zebo was always going to get back to his left hand. It didn't mm-hmm. matter what you did. So sometimes he doesn't – I'm not saying he doesn't need counters, but I'm saying if he can make that so elite that he doesn't have to worry about a counter or people can't stop it, then that's still just as good if, as having a counter. So I think that's really what I want to see. So, But really hopefully just health because everything else will grow naturally. I'm not worried about him working. I just hope he just stays healthy because I think he got hurt. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was working out last year and then got hurt during the offseason. So, you know, I'm just hoping that he doesn't – hopefully we won't have that same bad luck again. Yeah, like like that's the big thing is I think as long as he stays healthy, he's gonna get better. Uh, and then kind of moving on to Desmond Bain too, is that with Bain, it's kind of different because like talking about a healthy offseason, we know that he's not gonna have a healthy offseason. He did have successful surgery on that big toe that he injured. Uh, I guess what was that like December or no? He came back in December, I think. I don't know. There, I, think, it, I, think, I think I think it was in November when he hurt. Yeah, he yeah he he got hurt in November. Missed missed a good portion because it was like right after jaron came back it felt like he he went out so yeah it was it was, it was the minnesota game like right before yeah minnesota yeah. game like, before he came back so i think first of all i gotta you know give him some props for playing as well as he did when he came back with a broken toe because i listen i've never had a broken toe but from everybody that I've ever heard that's had like any kind of injury with their toe like that, where you have to have surgery, it is one of the most painful things you can go through, especially for an athlete. And especially when you're talking about a dude who 
this year, I think his biggest improvement was attacking in transition and attacking the basket a lot more and a lot more often. And he became one of the best fast break scorers in the NBA. Uh, if you if you look at the fast break points, he was up there uh, with the likes of like Giannis in terms of fast break points per game, which if you're on that level <laughs> in fast break points, like that's how you know that he, he I think he was like third or fourth in the league in fast break points per game. So that it was awesome to see him improve that. But to see that he improved in that portion of his game while also dealing with an injury that hinders your mobility. I think that's something that's going to be really big is seeing how he bounces back from this injury. Uh, and then just continuing to – for Dez, it's just continuing to be more of a three-level scorer. Like, that's that's my thing. I want him to be like a true – like, I don't, I don't know if he's – like, not to say – because I know Jamal Crawford came off the bench. But like a dude like that who is like he can go and get you a bucket, whether it's a three-pointer, whether it's a mid-range, whether it's driving to the basket. I know his wingspan is going to hurt him when it comes to drives. I think, dude, if his wingspan was like two inches more, I think that he would be an awesome finisher too. Like, because there's times where it's like it's not even his fault. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like he 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 just can't do that. It's like sometimes there's just things you physically can't do. Like, it's going to be hard for him to be a really good finisher oversized because he doesn't have the wingspan for it. But when you consider, like, how how good he already is, I think it's going to be about him, like, being a little bit more crafty and kind of figuring out, like, when he can actually go to the basket, which I think that's something he's gotten better at. I think he's going to continue to do that. But be more of a threat to attack in the half court as well instead of just on the fast break. I think that'll be a big thing. And then I think we saw it in the playoffs is that when he can kind of get going and kind of I know I know I sound like an old head talking about mid range so much. But when he gets going from the mid range like he did, I think it was in like one of the I think it was like game four of that Lakers series where he was just hitting tough mid range jumpers over and over again. And some like at, at some crucial times, too. And I feel like if he can get more of that and more of that off the dribble into a mid range game. It's just going to make the offense in general just so much more open because I feel like even with his improvement now, people are not like defenses do not come into games worried about Desmond Bain off the dribble. They're more worried about him coming off screens, you know, catch and shoot guys, stuff like that. Maybe attacking in transition, they'll say, okay, worry about him. But when it comes to the half court, I feel like he's not as much of a threat when it comes to like driving to the basket. And I think that's something that he's going to have to continue to improve. And then, like I said, get into the mid-range jumper a lot more, too, because when you're as good of a shooter as he is, I think like some of that is just going to be automatic. It's just like an automatic two points. And I think that the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies need more of that. I think overall for the big three. They need more easy buckets. Like the team as a whole needs more easy buckets because I feel like so often, like especially when it's Dez and especially when it comes to Ja, it's like, dude, every single one of your shots is like over two people. Like when you get to the paint sometimes, like it can, like it, it, I need them to get more, you know, easy buckets. And it's not just on them. I think that Coach Jenkins does have to do a better job of, you know, just getting some easy plays to get guys open early in the game and get them in a rhythm. 
Like I always say, like going back even to last season when they were playing the Warriors, there were a lot of times where it's like, dude, the Grizzlies just ran offense for 20 seconds to get a tough contested finish at the rim. And then they go down and the Warriors run a play in. Kevon Looney is wide open for a layup. And it's just like that. I felt like that happened so often. And then even this year, I feel like uh, the Lakers got a lot of easy buckets, too, based on some of the plays that they were running. And the Grizzlies just couldn't get those. Now, part of that was because of spacing issues and stuff like that. But I think that Dez did do a good job of kind of adjusting to that. And I think if we see him come into the come into this next season and really have that mindset of being like a true like three level scorer, I think that it's going to make him even better than he was this year. Like he, this is a dude that legit could be a 25 point per game scorer in the NBA. We saw it at the beginning of the season before he got hurt. Uh, and I, and I think not to say that like the number itself of 25 points per game is not like the end all be all of what he needs to be. Like if he's at 22 or 23, I'm not saying that that's not enough, but he's shown that he has the potential to be that level of guy and like a borderline all-star to maybe even like uh, an all-star level guy. So I think that that, that's really just going to be the big thing is part of it's going to be his mentality. And I think he really needs to come into this season and focus on being a true three-level scorer. Yeah, um, about Bane. I think a lot of it for me, like you said, is like you kind of hit on all the points I was going to hit on. I think for me, really, the bank, what the one I was going to make about Bane for real was the the it's really the off court stuff like not necessarily the on court because like you said after like when i heard i think it was i forgot what memphis reporter it was but they were saying basically bane would ice his toe after every game post injury he came back from injury and, and when i heard that i'm thinking to myself he averaged 21 5 and basically 20 if i'm looking at his stats right correctly he averaged yeah so basically 22 five and four after a, a like a bad toe injury and mind you now i haven't i didn't my toe injury wasn't as bad because i do for all y'all know i still play basketball a little bit i'm not no professional but i still play i messed up my toe i hurt my toe bad and it was just uh like i just stubbed my toe bad and that thing hurt for a while and I, you can barely move and like it hurts you you're walking funny then if you're trying to cut on it and play like it's a totally different thing and so I can only imagine your toe is fractured, broken. Like, I can only imagine. And you're telling me he did all that still in spite of that? So for me, it's really not about the game. It's really about just getting that toe right. Because we saw, like you said, before his injury, he was averaging 25, 5, and 5. Now, granted, there was no Jaren there, but 20, 25, 5, and 5 is like all NBA type numbers. Like, damn near. Like, that's 20. Like, no, not, not a lot of guards are just doing that. I know people, you know, the scoring is inflated today, but like, we saw the scoring he was doing. Like, he was elite, like, efficient. He's being a complete player. So, like, really for him, it's just about getting healthy. But for me, with the off-court stuff, it's about, like, the leadership role. And I should have mentioned it with Jaron. And obviously, we're going to mention with all of them. They all said they need to be better leaders, and that's who they're going to be looking at. But the thing for for me is what Climate was saying about how Bang can be, like, the heart and soul of the team in terms of the leadership role. And I think he can because he's a guy that's kind of, like, usually not – he's never too high, never too low. You know, and he seems like he he's always cared. Like, even when his rookie year, he always cared himself like he was a vet already. So I just would like to see him grow more into that leadership role and continue to like – and that could be – it could be as little as just making sure guys that are still in the – you know, 
team people that are still on the team, he's hitting them up, talking to them. Then when he's getting back to working out after his toe injury, trying to work out with them, welcoming the new guys if we draft people or, you know, via trade, like stuff that I don't want to see more proof because I don't think the, the like the game will do itself. Like you said, the finishing I think is the biggest thing. And I think, like you said, with his wingspan, it's going to obviously hurt him a little bit. But I think with him being the, the type, like, again, he's built like a like a, like a linebacker. So, like, with the strength he has, he can compensate for that, being able to, like you said, being crafty and being able to use his body and also working on his floater. Like I said, the things that these guys don't have, they can, you can always compensate for stuff. Even If you don't got something there, you can do something here that can make up, you know, for where you lack. And so for Bain, he's got to, you know, I think he's got to be more crafty with getting to his floater. Like you said, getting to his mid range. Like what we saw with him shooting the mid range, I think that's the key. I think he's got to shoot more of those, which I think he will. And that's the thing. Like he was doing that, I think, early in the year when before he hurt his toe, if I'm not mistaken. Like, and, and it wasn't a lot of mid ranges, but doing a lot more stuff off the dribble. Because even though he came back after the toe and did some stuff off the dribble, it wasn't as frequent because of the toe. So getting back to doing more of that creation, because I think people think, um, you know, just because Bain is a shooter that he can't create at all. And then when people don't realize he was hurt on a hurt toe, so it's obviously harder to create. And, and, he, and like, he's not a guy that's still just going to take 20 dribbles to create. Like, he's very decisive with his moves. So, like, I mean, I think Bain, you know, like, again, like, he just needs to really work on his finishing. I think the passing will continue to get better. And so, you know, I'm not going to put a limit or ceiling on Bain. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be this dude that we're watching right now in the playoffs in terms of Jimmy because they both went 30th overall. But nobody saw Jimmy being what he's what he is now, like respectfully. And nobody saw Bain being what he is now. So I'm not going to put a limit too much on Bain. I'm not saying Bain's going to be a top five player in the league, but I'm not going to put a limit on what he could be. Like I'm not saying he's going to average 30 next year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ever come back healthy and averaging 24, 5, and 5. Like I'm not going to put no limit on him because he seems to improve every year. Like that's in that's in the proof. Like one year, one year, two year, three, he's gotten better. So as long as he's healthy, I'm not going to doubt it. Yeah, and this this will be the last thing I say on this before we kind of move on to Ja too. Is when you look at where he was drafted, he was drafted thirtieth. There's there may be thirty players better than him in the NBA, but it when you get when you start getting to 30, 35, like he's in that range of players in the NBA already, and he got drafted thirtieth overall. So everything that happens after this, I think that. The Grizzlies definitely got an insane return on that investment as a 30th overall pick. I think that a lot of people, if you go back to that draft, he's probably going top five, if not top three. So I like I, I legitimately think that that a lot of teams, if they could redo that draft, Desmond Bain would have been a lottery pick. So sure to have five. that guy, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure top five, and I would say maybe even top three. Yeah. I still think probably Anthony Edwards is going over him regardless, but. You know, and you know, I, I'll get I'll give Anthony Edwards that one, but I still think the fact that they got him at thirty is really insane. Uh, and then moving on to Ja, honestly, I don't have much to say about Ja besides the fact that he has to get it together off the court. On the court, I mean, he's I, I'll say this season it didn't feel it like it felt like it was harder for him to score than it was. Uh, like the season before at times and I think you look at the, like there was a small like dip in his average and I know he didn't have as many of those like big like scoring out like outbursts but honestly I'm not really that worried about that because he he increased his kind of his playmaking stuff Uh, for him he's got to be a better defender he has to try on defense honestly like there's times where and it's not just him like I think the team as a whole had 
like they have some of these times where they just look kind of lackadaisical. And I think that for him, he's going to have to be better on defense. And I think it's going to be very important uh, that he kind of like locks in and actually, and not to say that he's going to be like an all NBA defender, like Ja is never going to be an all NBA defender just because like of his size and stuff like that. He's always going to have people that are going to be able to kind of back him down and stuff like that. And, you know, he's, he's never going to be like a great defender, but I think if we see him continue to do what he did like early in the year a lot more, which was like play the passing lanes and get out on the fast break after that uh, and try to get steals, less gambling for steals when people are driving by and more maybe gambling for steals in the passing lane is what I would say. Because I feel like a lot of times if a dude is driving by Ja, he'll just try to get the steal. And then if he doesn't get the steal, then it's just like on Jaron to block it once he gets there. So I think that's one of the things that he needs to be better at is, you know, just staying in front of your defender. Uh, and I think really just like the team in general needs to be better at that. <laughs> just keeping guys in front of you. Um, so I'll say that for like the defensive end. And then offensively, not to say that he needs to shoot less threes, but I feel like they need to come more in the flow of the offense. It seems like sometimes, like some nights, he just goes in there and he's deciding, like, oh, I'm going to shoot more threes tonight. And whether they're – sometimes they're not good threes, sometimes they're open and he just misses. But not to say that I never want him to take it, because like I said with Jaron, like you got to keep the defense honest. And if you're wide open – take it but I feel like there were some times this year where he got a little too three happy there's there's a couple times now I'm not saying that's every game but there's a few times where it's like dude like you missed the last couple you need to get back to like driving to the basket and stuff like that uh but when he does do what he's best at he was still awesome at it so I think that's the number one thing is when he's driving to the basket and he's doing all that it's what he's best at. It's what he's best at. And I'll also say this, just throw in there. He also needs to develop a mid-range. I'm not going to talk about more mid-ranges after this, I promise. But he's got to develop that too because I think we saw that in the Lakers series. I think it was like game one where he came out and hit a couple of mid-ranges and it just it threw him off a little bit. Uh, I know they still ended up losing that game, but there is other circumstances behind that. But it's like they're not expecting that. And he's shown that he can do it. And I think that's the main thing is honestly, I would rather see him like go 0 for 6 from the mid range in a game than just not take him like he has. Just just to see, like, at least show me that you can't hit it. Don't you know what I mean? Don't do it a couple times and hit the shot and then just don't do it for the rest of the season. I would like to see him do it a little bit more, too. Yeah, Um I think to to your point, what you're all you're saying is what I was gonna say, just in the shorter, or what I'm saying is in the shorter version. Being smarter, and on and off the floor, literally is all about being smarter. And I can say that for Jaron and Bain as well, but really, job off the court is about just moving smarter. On the court, it's about being smart. I don't know where to start. I mean, I'm not gonna talk about it for ten minutes, but just with job off the court, it's just about literally just being smarter, just knowing what you can and cannot do as John Morant, not as a regular dude, and knowing who you are and what you can and cannot do. In terms of on the court, in terms of on the court, he has to be smarter in his decision-making, whether that's a point guard passing, shooting the ball, in terms of his shot selection, and obviously, like you said, defensively. And I'll break them all down, right? With the playmaking, I think he's a really good playmaker. He averages, he's one of the best playmakers in the league. But in spite of that, there's a difference 
people, you can't just look at the assist numbers and think that makes somebody a good playmaker or a point guard or whatever. Be like, you have to watch the film and you have to understand like, are the assists coming in within the flow of the offense? Are they getting hockey assists? Like, you got to look at all that. And where with Ja is, a lot of his assists are usually spoon fed in terms of he's either getting it's going to be somebody him collapsing the defense and somebody wide open or somebody in the pick and roll whereas instead of you know you got it in an action where you know he's throwing an entry pass to jaron he's letting him work or a down screen like usually that's usually how it, it ends up um and not to say he doesn't look for it but he could look for it more and i think he could kind of set up guys a little bit better in terms of where their spots is in terms of not being able to having to dominate the ball where, and I'm not saying he hasn't done it before, just doing more of it. Um, because we, I've seen it before where he'll defer. And like basically when he came back, when he came back after that, after the suspension, doing a little bit more of that, being able to pick his, you know, being able to pick a spot. And then obviously with shot selection, when I talk about being smarter, it's literally about the injuries that he's had. Like the one he just had, what you're talking about, taking more mid-range and floaters. And it's not like he can't do it. We've seen him do it. I've seen him literally last year do it where he was killing folks with a, with floaters, like literally. But then it, it, for whatever reason in his brain, well, just he thinks he can just dunk on everybody or not dunk on everybody, but just challenge a shot block or somebody. And that's how you have things like with him getting hurt with Anthony Davis. because And that's what didn't make any sense. Like you were talking about, he took like two or three mid-rangers and made them. Then he also took a floater at the end of the half, made it. Why did you just keep going with it? But then this one decision – Boom, you hurt your hand, and now that changes a lot of different things. Not saying we would have for sure won the game if he didn't get hurt, but you got to look at stuff like that. Like That can swing everything. So, um, And also just being – like, that's really it, like, in terms of just being decisive, like, with what shots you're going to take. Because, again, you don't always have to have the highlight play. You, can, you, you don't have to do that. And so I think that's the decision-making thing he has to get better at offensively because if he gets to his floater and stuff like that a lot of the time – you're going to see him do what he did in go against Golden State the year prior, where he averaged like 35 points a night because he like, they literally couldn't stop him. Like, he couldn't do anything. And even in the Minnesota series, in moments, I think it was a game five where he had like 30-something, like 36 yeah. points in the game winner. He was getting to the floater. Like, get to the chicken. You don't have to dunk or get to the layup every time, like right to the rim. You can take the floater. You can take the mid-range. Like, it's fine. Like, I promise you, that floater will make you a lot of money and keep you healthy for a long time. And then defensively, you don't have to gamble. Be solid. I understand you're an athlete, but I think a lot with, with him, especially now, he's better defensively and it has given better effort. But again, it's about reading the game. Sometimes you just you, sometimes it's better just to be solid because in in that uh action of just being solid defensively, they might cough the ball up naturally. Anyway, just off of just you playing good discipline defense alone. So you don't have to always gamble, especially because again. If you're like you said, you're putting Jaron in a bad spot. You don't want to put Jaron in a bad spot, especially when he already gets foul trouble a lot. So then you just put him in a position to get even more foul trouble. If you're gambling for everything, then that the person you're guarding is now coming um to the basket and um either um affect you know either get Jaron in foul trouble or is creating another shot. So um yeah, he's got to be smarter. That's literally it. Being smarter on and off the floor, and he'll be fine. Yeah, and then I, I like that you brought up the floater too. Because it, even if you go back to like 2021 when they played the Warriors in that playing game, like the floater was like in the clutch of that game and and the shot that eventually you know got them into the playoffs that year was the floater. And I think that there are times where he goes to it and he has success, and then there's times where he just abandons it from his game. 
And I think that's something that I think is, you know, being more consistent with that, being more consistent in the mid range and just adding more to what he already does as a finisher. Because, I mean, he, he's going to be one of the best finishers in the league for as long as he's in the league. Like, he's going to be one of the better finishers. I have no question about that. Uh, but then moving on, it's crazy. This is only our second question. We might have to push a couple more to the to the next episode because we went for like 30 minutes on that. Is uh from my guy Coach BG, uh BG Biscuit on on Twitter. And the question that he had is is now the time to go job is is now the time to go all in for a win now move, or has the jaw situation complicated that? I'll start by saying I don't think that the suspension that's coming with Ja or whatever is going on is should change what they do in the offseason because I think it's something that they should be pushing for the playoffs. And in my opinion, I'd say yes. I think it's time for them to go all in. Now, that's not to say to just throw all like the young guys and just throw them out for any the first guy you can think of. Like I'm talking about going all in for the right guy. I think I think that they don't necessarily have all of the assets to do it, but I think that they have most of them to get like a solid a solid guy they can go all in on. And then I'd also say I think they do need more of a veteran presence, kind of like around the team. Uh, just not to say like Stephen Adams does has done a great job since he's been here, but I think they just need another guy who's been on like some maybe some championship level teams or somebody who's been around like some of the other better players in the NBA and see how those guys operate uh, would be something good too. But I think it's time for him to go all in. I know that we've had a lot of stuff the last couple of years, and I think they've done well on the rebuilding part. Like they have rebuilt what they need to rebuild in terms of a team that can compete, a team that is expected to be in the playoffs every single year. Going into next season, everybody's going to assume the Grizzlies are in the playoffs. Now it's about getting to the next step. And I think that even though there's a lot of other stuff going on, and I know the whole, you know, there's going to be a suspension at the beginning of the season and all that with Ja, but I think that this is the time. Like, I feel like if they don't go all in right now, they're going to regret it in, in the long run. Because I think that the team as a whole – is regretting doubling, tri- tripling down on youth last year. I think that they do regret it a little bit. Now, not to say that all the guys they got, like I think David Roddy has a chance to be really good. Uh, I know Jake Laravia and those guys didn't really play a lot. But at this point, you can't – I don't think that they're at a point to where they need to just sit and wait to see what guys are necessarily if there's a chance to get an OG Ananobi. Like, you know what I mean? If there's a chance to go get an OG Ananobi, you do it. Now, maybe one day Jake LaRavia and Zaire Williams and some of these younger guys are going to be awesome NBA players. I think that, like, I still think Zaire could be really good. And I think he was good uh, his rookie year when he actually got to play and he wasn't hurt. But if you can get a guy on OG's level, or I know that it's not going to be like Mikhail. I know we talked about that. But it's like, if you can get a guy like that, I think going all in is fine. I don't I don't see any issues with it. Hmm. Bryce, we might I don't want to say we disagree because I don't th- I, I agree with you. But I think it all depends on what you mean by all in, right? 
and the reason why I say it depends on what you mean by all in, because some people will hear all in and think they got to give up like four picks with like two pick swaps and do something. Like they don't got to do all that. I agree they need to move in the sense of they need to make moves where I look at it and be like, you're trying to win now. Like you're, you're, you're working towards winning now. And not to say they haven't done that in the past, but if we look at the moves that they've done the last two years, it's not saying it didn't improve the team. But a lot of that was asset collection. Like when they got Steven Adams, it's because not say Adams and help, but they got the 10th pick out of it. When they got off of Jonas vouchers, like a lot of the stuff was either getting off of salary or, you know, like doing something for like, you know, trying to get like a low risk, high reward type of thing. I haven't really felt like outside of the Luke move that they just made. It feels like a lot of their moves have been more so to like, not re, I guess you could say rebuild, but like to kind of just like wait around and see. And I'm going to use an example of a team that's in the NBA Finals now, the Denver Nuggets. If the Grizzlies want to follow a blueprint like that fits the mold of what their group is, the Denver Nuggets is a perfect example. And the reason why I say that is because they have a natural grown core that with Jamal Murray, Jokic, and um, MPJ that they continue to build around. But really, Jokic and Murray, but obviously added MPJ, but they continue to build around them. And, and I'm not saying they went all in per se, in a lot of different things. But you knew they started, I think, around year three or four, which is where the Grizzlies are right now, started to make moves in terms of to win, like, actually now. Because if we're talking about winning in the grand scheme of things, all in, even if they make the moves, it's all going to be determined about your best players. And historically saying, as we are seeing with the teams that are remaining, it's hard to win when your best players are 23, 24, 25. And that's not even just now. Go look at the history. I was talking about what hey, shout out to our guy saying. We were talking about it on Twitter. If we go look at it, like the last few, like the last time we had, like, I guess you could even say, like, a finals MVP that was so young to win one was Kawhi Leonard. And even then, he wasn't the best player. And even then, they had bets on that team. Then you go back to, like, Tony Parker, who was like 23. Tim Duggan's on that team. Go to D Wade, who was like 24. Shaq was on that team. Yeah. The last time I was really that young, you could say, okay, see, but they didn't win it. Then you could go even further. And look at the magic with Shaq and Penny. They didn't win it. It's hard for teams that young to win. And so I'm not saying they gotta not make moves to to you know to like please improve your roster, get people around the core. But you don't have to go all in per se and be like, we gotta win next year because historically says you're not. I'm not saying you're not going to. It's just very hard to do. It's very rare. And so for me, I think they need to make moves, moving like they're working towards that direction. But they don't have to do it so much to the point that it detriments their future so much. And I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, like, you don't have to give up. Like you said, if you can get OG and Anobi, like, if you can get somebody that fits the timeline, do it. Because OG and Anobi is, like, 25, 26. He would be able to grow with the core. Like, don't get a guy like it for, like, let's say Chris Middleton, unless he's super cheap. You don't do that because he's 31, 32. It doesn't fit the timeline too much. So they still have to fit the timeline of winning. Or make when they make the moves, they gotta make the moves that fit the timeline of what they're doing. You don't want to do something that, you know, you don't want to be too reactionary. You want to be able to build, but you also want to continue to do what you've done to get to this point. Because not all what you've done to this point is bad. Like I know we lost in the first round, but they won 50 games the last two years. They clearly obviously have a formula to build a culture and build something that actually sustains success. It's just about tweaking little things, and so that's where I'm at with it. I wouldn't say they gotta go all in, and I, and also like you said with Ja. Don't let that complicate it because, again, regardless, like, Jaws the biggest thing. If he's not focused, it doesn't matter. But my point is 
even then right now, you still can't worry about it. It's not like he's like 35. He's 23. Still make them moves now. Do it. Don't even worry about it. Like if I, I and, it, and this is the other thing I'll say when it comes to that, like not worrying about it too, is look at right now. Uh, I know the Nuggets ended up going to the finals, but the Lakers had to play in the play-in and made the Western Conference finals, right? The Heat played in the play-in. They were the AC. They are most likely going to go to the finals unless the Celtics make an insane comeback, right? So I think that even if it does hurt them in the regular season and they have to come in, even if they come in as a five or six seed, look, I know everybody talks about home court advantage, but I literally said it last year too. Like home court advantage to me now is not that important because they lose home court advantage in the first game every time. So it's like, Man, my like if you got to be the six seed, be the six seed. It's okay because once you get to the playoffs, it's a, it's a whole different thing. So if you're telling me if 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 you're asking me right now if I'd rather have the roster that's basically the same right now, uh, going in as a two seed next year or going in next year with OG Ananobi in the six seed with with the guys they got, I'd probably say OG Ananobi in the six seed. Like honestly. Because I think that they would be a better team, even if they do suffer early from not having Ja and maybe not having the same kind of chemistry. Because chemistry, I do, I do think chemistry is important. But when you look at the last couple of years and the way that some of these teams have been constructed, the teams that have like made deep runs, uh, chemistry is important. And but I think chemistry is mostly important for like your main guys. Right. Yeah. Like like you look at the Bucks, like it's important for like Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to have chemistry. But when you look at the guys around there, I know this year they didn't win it. But even when they won, like, you know, you got to bring in some different guys like you. You don't always have the same roster, Uh, like even talking about the Nuggets. They've kept their core. But when you look at that team that went to the Western Conference Finals and I think what 2020 compared to now, basically the only guys that are still on the team is the core. Like they've changed a lot around them around like the main yeah. guys when it comes to like Jamal Murray and Jokic and stuff like that. They've changed a lot of the people around that since that run. And I think that's something that we'll see is that there, I think they'll bring in maybe some more veteran guys, maybe not this off season, but in the next couple off seasons, I think you're going to see them kind of like, not to say like, I think all in makes it sound like I'm saying they have to sell out to win the championship this year. Like, obviously, the goal is to win the championship, but at the end of the day, it's to set you up. When I say all in, I mean to set you up to win championships for the next few years and to, like, set up, like, these are the main three or four guys we're going to use. Everything after that is going to be based on performance and based on who's available because I think that's how most of the, like, championship-level teams that we see, that's how they operate. You know, get your core and then build off of that. And if something isn't working, then like sometimes you can't hesitate to move on. And I know it's hard because it's young players. I think that's the difference uh, with the Grizzlies and some of the other teams is it's a lot easier to move on from a guy who's 34 than somebody who's 21, because you don't even know what this 21 year old guy could be. And you could look back up in what, like how many years has it been since the Jimmy Butler trade? (laughs) <laughs> and you could look like, oh my gosh, I made it was a horrible mistake, you know, uh, whenever he he first went to the Bulls and all that. But 
or I don't know, man, or when he when he went to the Timberwolves, not the Bulls, from the Bulls. But it's like you look at it now; they probably rather have him. But there are many more cases of the contrary where you might move on from a guy, and then it turns out to be the right decision. And I'll say this: if they end up winning a championship, and then you know Zaire Williams in five or six years is like I don't know, like a twenty point per game score or something then I'm not going to be like, oh, they made a mistake. You know what I mean? Like, if if they make the moves that get them a championship, you know, and I think that's really what it's going to come down to is are they going to make the right moves when they do go all in? Uh, but I think that this year is when they should, they really should. I, I really think that last year probably could have been, like, the start of that, but they kind of went the opposite direction. But it's obvious that this year, I think that they're going to need to start moving toward being all in. Now, maybe yeah. they're not all in this season, but I, I agree. They need to make moves that can set them up to compete this year and then also compete years in the future. So, like, when I say a veteran guy, I'm not saying you got to go and get a dude that's 35, 36. If it's a veteran dude that's, like, 28, like – that's fine with me. I think that they just need somebody who has some experience, not necessarily somebody that's old, but just somebody who has a little bit more experience and somebody they can rely on like in big moments and guys that have been there before and done it before into where, you know, like I'll go to like David Roddy, David Roddy, awesome player. I think that he has a chance to be really good, but it's really tough to win when you got David Roddy coming into guard LeBron you know, like in his in his first couple playoff games. Like that is not an easy task for somebody who's been like this dude has been watching LeBron his whole life. You know what I mean? Like this dude probably grew up watching LeBron and stuff like that. Like that's a big moment. And when you're young, you've never been in moments like that before. And I think that's really what you saw in this playoff series that they had with the Lakers too. It's mostly like LeBron. LeBron has been everywhere. Like Whatever situation that has ever happened in basketball, LeBron has been there before, right? So everything that he's doing, at like everything that you're doing for the first time, like a dude like that has been doing it since some of these people weren't even born yet. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's, it can get hard when you're dealing with people that have that level of experience. And not to say that they're ever going to just – there's not many guys with that level of experience out there. But – if it's a guy that is at least like, like I said, OG, I, I remember OG, I know it was in the bubble there. You talk about the bubble all you want, you know, hit that really big shot against the Celtics, you know, all, 0.5 seconds left. You know, he's done that before, walked off like, like it was an open shot in practice. You know what I mean? Like, and I think like a guy like that could be good for the team. So th th that's what I would say. They need a guy, not necessarily an old guy, but a guy who's seen more. And a guy who's been in more situations than they have. And also just continuing to improve. I think that, you know, this first round loss, as much as, you know, people in the fan base and every everybody, like, it hit people really hard. And I, I think you saw that kind of, like, on the timeline and stuff. Like, it did hit hard. I get it. But it's one of those things where if you look at it, like, in the grand scheme of things and, like, going forward, I think that it's something that is going to help them lock back in get back in the gym, do what they need to be doing. And then I think it's also something that next year when they're in the same situation, even if they if they do have home court advantage in game one, I think they're going to be better for it after what happened this year. 
And I, I and I think they're going to be better for what happened in the Warriors series too. Just like actually seeing what it takes uh, for a team of that caliber to kind of like get to the Western Conference Finals, eventually win the championship and stuff like that. Uh, like the Lakers this year, seeing how how they made a run as well. And it's like that's the other thing is like the two teams you've lost to the last two years. One of them, I know they got swept, but one of them went to the Western Conference Finals, and the other one won the championship. And they have two of what you could argue where, but two of probably top 10 players to ever play basketball, you know, and it's like, that's who took you out at the last 15. two years. You know yeah. what I mean? At, wor- at worst 15, because I know somebody's going to come on here and talk about that, <laughs> but like 10, 15, dude, like it's not like you were just losing to anybody. You know what I mean? And I think that's the big thing. It's like you lost to teams with more experience that have been there before. And those guys had to do the same thing. Like, Steph wasn't winning championships when he was 23. I remember, man, I remember when the biggest thing about LeBron, like the biggest LeBron narrative was that if you called him, his phone wouldn't ring because he didn't have no rings. I remember all those NBA memes. Like, that was the narrative. And it's it's so crazy to think about it now. And I think that's why it's like, because you say it too, it's like, man, like sometimes you got to take a step back and realize like these dudes are 23 years old. Now, I do think, like I said, it's time for them to kind of move towards being all in, right? It's time for them to kind of change the perspective and kind of the trajectory of where they want the team to go. But like we saw, we saw LeBron do this, like Steph did this. Jordan, man, people like Jordan was 6 0 in the finals, but the reason he's 6 0 in the finals is because he kept getting beat before the finals before that. You know what I mean? Like it happens to every you can go through like basically every single guy besides like what magic, but I mean he got drafted with Kareem. So, you know, it, he kind of got he kind of lucked into that one. But, Russell? Yeah, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, but like, like basically rare. It, it it's very rare. Like most of the guys that you see that are the best players in the league and become like these icons, like it took them time before they started winning. And I think that's another thing is kind of before we end it here. Uh, I'll let you get a comment in too, of course, but is just sit back and realize like, yes, they need to move. Not to say they need to go all in this year, like I said, but they need to start moving towards when now moves. But even if they don't win the championship next year, it's not to say, you know, trade Bane, trade Jaron, blow it up, all of that. Like, there's still a lot of stuff. There, Like, there's still a lot of development in these guys. And I think that the next couple years are when you'll see the front office change their mindset. And I think you'll start this offseason. And I think with the guys they got, they got a really good chance. Yeah, to your point about what you were saying in terms of, them winning and or just them being all in like people gotta like you said people gotta realize like even in spite of that they've done some good stuff like and what you were talking about like in terms of like getting to bed or being like we get like hypothetically we can get an og or i don't know just any wing and you're a worse seat to me personally they've been so established like what you were talking about in terms of their top guys being we've seen it like not not saying to the degree of the other teams, like you were saying, like the chemistry matters mostly with the top guys and them just being healthy because you got to think with the Bucks, Middleton missed a lot of time this year, but they had two of their best three healthy guys and they still won 50 games. Same with us. 
for the majority of the time of the year, last two years, either at a Jaja and Bain, two to three have usually been healthy. So even if you miss time with Ja this year and you still make the move, if Jaron and Bain are healthy, the expectation should be 50, like 50 wins. Like, I'm not trying to be braggadocious. Nothing. That's just in the put the proof's in the pudding. Like, we've seen it. Like, and these guys is young. Like, this team don't I, – I just want people to understand again. I understand we have won nothing. But what they're doing is rare. Please do not – please, just because we're impatient or fans are impatient, please take a step back and look. This these what this team is doing at this age is not normal. I promise you, this is not normal. Go look at all the other teams that have been this young, or whether that's now or back then. There's only a few teams. There's only a few outliers. They fit the outlier. Usually, teams like us are in the lottery. We usually, like us, we get Victor Wimbanyama. Like, and we're not. We're 50 wins in, and we've been past the first round. Obviously, and like you said, we've lost the teams that even went to the. Outside of, I think, the Jazz the first year, you either lost to a team that, like you said, you went to the, the won the championship and then also went to the conference finals. And then that team had one, arguably one of the best players, if not, you know, somehow the best player in LeBron James. Then Steph Curry is another top 15 player. Like you're going against teams that have done, like people that have done it. Like Bron make big plays in that one game that just like you said, like Bron gonna do. Like it just happens. They just didn't make the plays more than him, so it happens. It's not like I'd be more worried if we were losing to like terrible team. Like I've been more worried if we're losing to like a bad team. But like, nah. Like I'm not that worried. Like I'm not that worried. Like it's like, that's what I'll say. Look, that. if if the if the Timberwolves had won the play in and they lost to the Timberwolves, I would have been more worried. I think. You know, because yeah. that's a team that I feel like is on the same, maybe not on the same level, because obviously they were a playing team. But it's like when it comes to their youth and experience, uh, and I think you saw that in that first series they had. I think it probably would have been a good rematch series, honestly. Uh, but just like the experience and stuff and not really knowing like what the playoffs were. I think you saw that for both of those teams last year. Uh, but I think when you, get, you, you're playing a team that has a lot of experience, like I said, it can be tough for these younger teams. Like not even a question about that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, people, please trust the pro. I, I hate to use the, the, the term. I hate to not to hate to use it, but and be the Sixers use it so much. But for real, I know it's cliche, but literally trust the process. And even Zach Kleiman says progress is not linear. And I know. Y'all hate when I say this or when they say it, but it is true. It's not that they're saying this cliche stuff because they're happy to be here or they want to do this, this and that. Like they, you know, like they're just patiently waiting on their, you know, for stuff to happen. It's not, but literally it doesn't happen overnight. It's literally the history of the league. That's what it is. Go look at the history of the league. I'm not saying this because I'm being biased. Objectively, go look at the history of the league and come back to me and see what you find. It's going to be the same thing. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You got to build. Like, it takes time. Go look at the Nuggets. They're eight seasons in. We're only three or four seasons in. Think about it. That's a long time. Like, and and the Nuggets missed the playoffs the first three years of their little tenure. We made the playoffs. 150 games. Top three seed. Like, come on, man. Just be patient, man. That's all I got to say. Just be patient, man. Please. For the love of God, please be patient. (laughs) All right. I think that's a perfect place to end. Just be patient, guys. We'll get there eventually. Uh, but you won't have to be too patient for this podcast because we will be back next week as always. Uh, but for Alex Winton, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and we will see y'all next week where we will be answering more questions. We actually have more questions we were going to get to today, 
but as you can see this one already went long so we we won't have a lot of stuff to talk about going forward uh but thank you all to listen to this episode and we'll see you next week thank you for listening to this episode of the next gen podcast if you enjoyed this episode leave a like and a comment wherever you download your podcasts head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co where you will find comprehensive coverage of all things memphis sports and how you can become an insider we'll see you back here next time